Thank you, Lillian. There's a story that uh, many years ago, during an earthquake, uh, the inhabitants of a small village, uh, everyone was freaking out. I mean, there's an earthquake and things are shaking and people are running around and houses are falling and all this stuff is going on. Everyone is very much alarmed, if you will, and except for one old woman. Everyone in town knew this old woman and she was surprisingly calm, even joyous to a, to a fault at length. She was just going about getting things together, doing what she needed to do. And someone said to her, mother, are you not afraid? And she replied, no. I rejoice to know that I have a God who can shake the world. See, it's about perspective, isn't it? And we're, we're here in chapters 19 and 20 in the book of Joshua. And we're at that place where, as Lillian has shared, the final inheritance is being given to the tribes of Israel. The, the inheritance for, for all these different tribes, Simeon and Zebulon, uh, Issachar, Asher, Naphtali, Dan, and last but not least, Joshua. They all receive their inheritance. Now, in most stories that you read, this is where you hear something like, and they lived happily ever after. But that's not what we read as we go from chapter 19 into chapter 20 in the book of Joshua. And that's today what we're going to look at and what we see happening here is why I say that Jehovah means refuge. You see, throughout the Bible, there are many different names for God with different meanings. Um, and I want you to keep that in mind. We're going to look in Joshua chapter 20, verses 1 through 6. And then we're going to look at some Psalms here in just a second. So go ahead and get your Bibles ready. Uh, but let me read this to you. Joshua chapter 20, um, verses 1 through 6. It goes like this. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Say to the people of Israel, Appoint the cities of refuge of which I spoke to you through Moses. See, this was part of God's plan all the way back when he called Moses to begin leading the Israelites out of slavery. This, this is a conversation that God had with Moses as he was leading them early on in the desert. That the manslayer who strikes any person without intent or unknowingly may flee there. They shall be for you a refuge from the avenger of blood. He shall flee to one of these cities and shall stand at the entrance of the gate of the city and explain his case to the elders of that city. Then they shall take him into the city and give him a place, and he shall remain with them. And if the avenger of blood pursues him, they shall not give up the manslayer into his hand, because he struck his neighbor unknowingly and did not hate him in the past. And he shall remain in that city until he has stood before the congregation for judgment, until the, until the death of him who is high priest at the time. Then the manslayer may return to his own town and his own home, to the town from which he fled. There's a lot that is said there. But before we really get into that, I want to ask you all a few questions. So a little audience participation. Um, those of you who are watching online, feel free to type in your answer, and I want to look at those later. But what does the word refuge make you think of? Share that with me. Go ahead. We've, we've sang songs about it this morning. We all have an idea. Just holler it out. What's refuge? Loud. You have to say it loud. Safety. Safety. Okay. Shelter. Hiding place. Anyone else? Protection. Very good. Yeah, maybe a, a refuge. When you hear that word, maybe you think of the city that Lillian described in Hawaii. An imposing building with, with large fortified walls, thick-walled fortress, locks on the doors. Uh, maybe it's something as simple as a canopy uh, to keep you dry in a rainstorm, maybe. 
That could be refuge. Uh, especially if it's keeping you dry in a rainstorm while you're smoking a brisket on a rainy October day. That particular refuge only works though when you don't allow the hood of your raincoat to collect the water running off the top and then decide to put your hood up. Not that that happened to me, but I know a guy. All right, I know a guy that that happened to. Uh, see, the refuge place only works when you allow it to do its full job. Uh, whatever picture comes into your mind when you think about refuge, it can definitely be agreed that our refuge is a safe place. Now, you see, when God provides a refuge, especially, it is indeed a safe place. In, in the midst of handing out this inheritance, he doesn't just say, here's one place of refuge. He says, in all of these places, there will be cities of refuge, a safe place. And when, when the Bible describes God as our refuge, it's saying that he's our safe place. No matter what else is going on around us, he is our safe place when we need protection from something. Let me ask you this question. Do you need protecting from something in your life right now? Knowing that God as our refuge enables us to trust him more freely. We don't need to fear situations. We don't need to fear people who threaten our well-being, whether it's a physical or a spiritual sense. Hear me when I tell you this. There's no situation we will ever face that is out of God's control. So Christian, the best place to be always is right with him. Proverbs 18.10 says, the name of our Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Now you may be thinking, yeah, back then God gave an inheritance and included cities of refuge. Well, well what about today? How do I make God my refuge today? Well, it's, it's easy to picture a physical refuge protecting us from some danger, but how can we make God, whom we can't see, our refuge? I think David is a great example of someone who knew God as his refuge. You see, at different points in his life, David was on the run from people who literally wanted to kill him. But he always found safety somewhere. He always found safety in God. He, he said, my salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. That's Psalm 62, verses 7 through 8. An easy way to make God our refuge is to simply ask him to be. David said this, pour out your hearts to him. That's what David did all the time. He poured out his heart to God about what was going on in his life. He asked God to intervene on his behalf. Folks, when we turn to God for help or for protection, we begin to know him as our refuge. In contrast to David's faith, the people of Israel, as we read through Joshua, oftentimes tried to find security in things other than God. You remember the journey through the wilderness. At one point they said to, to Moses, weren't we better off in Egypt as slaves? They, they tried to find security in something other than God. Oh, one thing we can learn from the Israelites and, and, our, and as they went through the wilderness and into the promised land is this. We may be tempted to look for safety or wealth or security in things other than God. Every time they did that though, where did they end up? Humbled before God. These other things can only provide a false sense of security. God's the only real refuge that we'll ever find. God is our refuge. However, that doesn't mean that he will never lead us through difficult or dangerous situations. Even Jesus led the disciples into a boat, knowing full well that there was a violent storm coming up on the horizon. 
The disciples were terrified, but Jesus, their refuge, calmed the storm. Matthew 8, 23 through 27. See, when we're in God's will, we can face the most dangerous situations with confidence because God is with us. And countless times throughout the book of Joshua, God led the Israelites. He led them into battle. He led them uh, against armies that were much more powerful than they were. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Armies with, with iron chariots, armies with horses, armies with archers. And God's army essentially had swords and shields and horns. And he would lead them into battle against much more powerful armies. Yet when they trusted God and when they obeyed him, when they allowed God to be their refuge, they always came out victorious. The, the one battle that sticks with my mind when they didn't do that was when Achan sinned and they went forward in battle without going before God first and they got whooped. You see, when, when we go to God first, we can face any situation with confidence uh, because, say it with me, because God is our refuge. Thank you. You see, Jesus told us in John 16, 33, in this world, or as he said, in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. No matter what our circumstance is, the safest place to be is always right in the center of God's will. He promises to be our refuge. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. But I want you to write this down. Write down Psalm 91. Write that down uh, if you're taking notes. And if you're not, open your Bible and just run a, a highlighter or something on Psalm 91, especially verses 1, uh, 1 through 16. I want to read this to you. And I want you to think about where you are in life. I want you to think about your struggles. I want you to think about hardships. I want you to think about good, bad, indifferent, wherever you are. Um, uh, diagnosis, loss of loved one. I've, I've, I've had some friends this week who have had family members pass away and my heart is just heavy for them. And, and I, I want this Psalm, I want you to consider this. Psalm 91, it says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the, of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of night nor the arrow that flies by day nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the most high who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder. The young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Listen, God's not just there to give out gifts like he did the inheritance of the promised land. 
the Lord is there and he will be a refuge for the oppressed. He will be a refuge in times of trouble. And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Psalm 9 says that. I wanted to look at some of the names of God. Each one has a divine attribute. And, and some of those I mentioned here in the beginning of this psalm. And they have an, an understanding and, they, and, and a believing that he is what he says he is. And when we believe that, we can believe that our God will do his part. Whether that's delivering us from sin, uh, being our refuge in times of hardship and trouble, our God will always do his part. The first name of God that's mentioned in Psalm 91 is Most High, Elion. It means he is the Most High God. There's no one higher than him. He is the possessor of heaven and earth. He is the creator of heaven and earth. That's Genesis 14 verse 19 says that. And the, the verse goes on to refer to God as the Almighty. And in Hebrew, that word is Shaddai, the God who blesses you with more than enough. Okay? So our, our most high God blesses us with more than enough. Sounds like a really nice refuge, doesn't it? He blesses us with more than enough. More than you can contain. Man has limitations. We can't fathom what God can do. But we have a God who is abundantly unlimited. And the second verse of Psalm 91 contains another two names for God. And it's this powerful stuff here because when the psalmist, when David declares, I will say of the Lord, he is referring to Jehovah or Yahweh. That's the covenant keeping God. And we start talking about covenants in the Old Testament. That's powerful stuff. It's the holiest name of the Lord. It's the name that Jewish scribes treat with the greatest of reverence. And also, coincidentally, we're not coincidentally, but I think by plan, Jesus' name in Hebrew, Yeshua, means Yahweh saves. It means Yahweh saves. It's not, it, his name doesn't mean Yeshua. Jesus' name does not mean Yahweh judges. It, it means Yahweh saves. What does that mean for us? That means if you're broken, Yahweh saves. That means if you're sick, Yahweh saves. That means if you're stuck in sin, Yahweh saves. If you're caught up, in repeating, in a repeating temptation, Yahweh saves. If you have enemies that are coming against you, Yahweh saves. He is our refuge. Jehovah, he is our refuge. Whatever saving you need, Jesus is the answer. His name means Yahweh saves. And then in verse 2, the psalmist goes on to say, My God in him I will trust. And the word God here refers to Elohim, the God of power, the creator the God who created the heavens and the earth. This is our God. He's the one that we put our trust in. Listen, we don't need to put our trust in laws and politicians and government. We put our trust in God because he is our refuge. He alone saves. In just two verses, you find four names of God mentioned. Knowing, believing, and saying he is all of this to us gives us protection in our everyday situations. He will deliver and rescue the one who knows his name. Here's the long and short of it right here. I want to share it with you this way. There's a place in Florida. It's called Hutchinson Island. And maybe you've heard of it. Maybe you haven't. But on this island in Florida is a place that's actually called the House of Refuge. I don't know why Lillian doesn't want me to go to Florida. But it's a beautiful place. Refuge. The House of Refuge. It's the last remaining shipwreck life-saving station on Florida's Atlantic coast. It's not in its full glory any longer. But it was built in 1876. And the whole purpose of it being built 
uh, was to help stranded sailors. It has a colorful, long history that spans nearly 70 years of activity and of saving sailors. It was once, um, it was uh, commissioned by the U.S. Treasury Department as one of 10 havens for shipwrecked sailors and travelers along the barren east coast of Florida. And it's the only one that still remains. Now, without these life-saving stations along the way, sailors that would be shipwrecked would perish. A shipwreck was imminent death, destruction. So consider this gift made by man, a, a goodwill gesture, if you will, all along the coast, 10 different spots, a gesture to sailors that might be shipwrecked along the way. I'm sure that, you know, it, it's kind of like traveling today. You're driving down the interstate and that little light comes on on your dash. Boop, low fuel. We don't worry about it. Because you know, within the next 10 miles, unless you're traveling somewhere obscure, but on most interstates, within the next 10 or so miles, there's an exit, and at every exit, there's a gas station of some sort. Now, they may charge more for gas, but there's, there's a place to pull off and get gas. I think it would be the same thing for these sailors during this time. There's comfort for sailors who knew about these houses of refuge along the coast. And better yet, they knew where they were located. Knowing of them is one thing. Oh yeah, there, there's some houses along the coast. Knowing where they're at, that's another thing. Because you never know when a storm is going to come up. You never know what's going to happen. If you knew where they were located along the way, now there's comfort knowing that even at the worst possible moment being shipwrecked, there's still hope. Yeah, you may have to swim to the island. You may have to actually do your part. You may have to let the lifeboat down and get in it and row like crazy to get to this place. But I think we can all agree that no matter how grim the situation, when there's even just a glimmer of hope, we can cling to it. We've seen enough movies, we've read enough accounts in history of, of boats sinking and things happening that when there's just a glimmer of hope, something to hold on to, and along the coast there were these houses of refuge. You know, whether we're talking about shipwrecked boats or shipwrecked lives or, or murder, there was no alternative to manslaughter. If you wanted to live, the only option you had was to flee to one of these cities of refuge. If you were shipwrecked along the coast of Florida back in the day and you wanted to live, you had to get your lifeboat and you had to row to one of these houses of refuge. So as we come to our response time this morning, I want you to think about the implications here. Are you shipwrecked? No, I'm on dry land. Spiritually, are you shipwrecked? Are you overwhelmed with something? Is there something in your life that you just think, man, there's no getting past this? One thing I know for sure, if you're trying to navigate through life without God, you're doomed for destruction. If we are trying to lead without God as Christians, we are doomed for destruction. Let me ask you this question, Israel. If it weren't for Jehovah our God, where would we be? Still in slavery in Egypt. See, he is our hope. He is our refuge. And as we look through these, the, the book of Joshua, when we look at Joshua's faith, only God can and will provide our inheritance. And in the same time he's handing out our inheritance, he's making a way 
and a place for refuge. And at the same time he's doing that, he's preparing a way for us to be restored back to him. You look at the story of wandering in the desert, the 40 years, and we think, oh, what a sad situation. No, that was God preparing a way back to him, an inheritance for his people, a refuge and a promise. Consider these things as we stand to sing our response song this morning. I'm not sure where you are in life, what season you're in, but will you sing our response song with us this morning and respond to God's word accordingly? Will you stand and sing with us? been great to be here with you all this morning, both on live stream and in person, but now it's time for us to go to win and commit to grow. As you go this week, go boldly like Joshua, knowing that our God provides. I also want to challenge you to go like the old woman that I talked about earlier. Go knowing that because our God is our refuge, we can rejoice knowing that our God can indeed shake the world. Will you sing this last song with us?